everybody. Welcome back to the College Football Uncensored Podcast brought to you by Texas Pete. Downset sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com. Enter promo code Saturday Down South to take 20% off your orders of any sauce or apparel. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me, as always, the real host of this show, Chris Mahler. You guys know him as Uncle Chris. Oh, these, these intros are getting better and better from you. I know. I think you were just like, like, I think most people would have thought that you were probably bummed you didn't get to do the pod on Sunday, but I know you well enough to know that you were like, yes, I'm going to sleep in. I'm going to go to the Braves game. What is sleeping in? Yeah, for real. That's, that's not your game. Um, I can't do that anymore. But yes, I did go to the Braves game on Saturday, which or on Sunday night, which was fantastic. Got all dressed up in your little pearls. Yeah, I got my pearls on. Um, funny story about that, actually. I'll tell it real quick. Um, it was obviously slammed with people there. And when we got there, it was starting to get extremely cold. So I was with my buddy and I was like, let's go to the clubhouse store in the middle of one of these innings so we can avoid the crowds, get a sweatshirt, go back to the seats. Yeah. So we go, no sweatshirts. They're all sold out, but they did have the pearls, five bucks. So that you know what? You warm. I'll pick I'll pick up the pearls as a as a reminder of this time in the Braves history. We walk out. As we walk out of the clubhouse store, Jock Peterson is announced as coming up to the plate. And I was like, you know what? This is a good omen. We just walked out with these. Let's stand here and watch this at bat. Boom. Two run bomb. That ball right was crushed. Crushed. That I mean, ball was just, fucking crushed. Yes, he crushed <laughs> that ball. And I was like, all right, this is a great omen. So we went back to the seats, obviously won the game. And then uh, proceeded to get home at 1.30 in the morning to a crying infant and uh, had to wake up at 5.30 for work. So it was actually yeah, mostly downhill from that. there. Uh, and I was like, dude, I, I mean, just... Mostly downhill from there. Rise from above the, it, Tyler. After the ninth inning, it was uh, mostly downhill from there. I so. feel like I've only had... I don't know if it's because I was either that cold or if I actually had the disposable income at that time in my life to buy a sweatshirt in the middle of a game one time. And that's when I was in San Francisco... Um, like visiting out there and went to, I guess it was the AT&T park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing experience. But it's the only time I've ever had to switch from drinking like beer to like hot cocoa. <laughs> yeah. It gets it's freezing in San Francisco, yeah. especially right out there on the water. So anyways, um, we go into week eight and week it's not eight. exactly, I can't believe it's already week eight. I mean, it's, we're almost in November. It's insane. Don't do that. Um, but we are in week eight and it is a slower weekend in the SEC, but there are some pretty big games nationally just to are there? help continue to form some of the national picture. Um, I mean, look, you're lying. I'm, you don't ever do elite. this. I like the positive attitude, but this, this weekend yeah. is shit and I don't understand where is game day even going to be. Oh, like, that's a good point. I, didn't, I don't even know. Region that's eight that's... dodgeball tournament. Um, but we are starting to, to get some updated odds on, college football playoff Heisman. So we'll talk a little bit of the national picture. We'll go over some games this weekend, get back to a little bit winning and boozing like we like to do as we do on this show. I touch. Yeah. On all the, the teams playing. So, yeah. you know, don't, don't hang up that, that don't touch that dial. <laughs> like, uh, you know, they say, okay. But this week let's start with a little who's sadder than Marler because um, there are a couple people that yeah. maybe some, associated with the sec some not that are are sadder than you this week i'm not sad anymore 
I know, but we got to keep with the stick, right? Yeah, we're sad fair. for a while. That's fair. Also, I love the fact that your like entire way you went to a baseball game was like fucking Billy Zane from the Titanic. Like, I don't need. I'm fine with being cold, but I need to make sure I have this jewelry on me. So it's just a boss move on your part. Um, it is. So who's sadder than Marler? You, for one, because of the Braves last night. Yes. That was Straight tough. On. The Red you, Sox. You're, the sadder than, you're sadder than previous versions of you because of the Red Sox. I'm, I'm not sadder than previous versions. You know what's funny? I was telling you this off air. We're not going to get too into it because um, some people get uncomfortable and use the word therapy. But I had my final session with my therapist because I graduated a class. Um it's like a video game. I made him cry. So that's how you beat the last level of therapy is if you make him cry. So I like, we're like talking. It's like very awkward. Cause we're trying to like, like, all right. Yeah. Well, you know, best of luck. And, um, he goes like, well, you know, and I want to talk to you after the Bama game. I know you had to be pretty upset about that. And I was like, Oof. no, I go to you for real things, but I'm glad we brought it up. <laughs> like, so I was and another about- thing. Yeah. Can you believe Bill O'Brien on the, <laughs> I, I did bring that up immediately. I said, that was the first thing out of my mouth. No, I wasn't that upset about the Red Sox last night. If you guys don't know this, I'm the worst combination of fan ever. I'm a total douchebag. I'm a Red Sox fan and a Bama fan. Um, but I have been for my whole life, which shouldn't come as a shock to me because I've always been an asshole. But I, so like I was like trying to post stuff and also like watching at the same time when they started to blow it in the ninth. I didn't realize how awful the umpiring was. Oh, in in which game? In both, but in the Red yeah. Sox, there were twenty three missed calls. Las Diaz, man, that's ridiculous. I don't know what that means at all. But um, that was anyway, who's sadder? Man. Who's sadder? I'm not going to throw either of us under the bus because we are both ahead. Well, we're tied, but you guys are ahead in the series. Um, in when we were massive underdogs, I'll tell you who's sad. Bill Plaschke. Wh- who I didn't even know he was relevant still from like when I watched PTI fifteen years ago. What in the fuck happened to Bill Plaschke? Why is he so angry? <laughs> he is so angry. Um, yeah, I, I, I was very caught off guard. I just I don't know why he was trending because um, he hasn't been trending since like 2009. Right. And he, he, went, he was just going off about how, I mean, like but what he was doing was making fun of Atlanta to right. like, you know, to get a response. And he definitely got a response out of a lot of people. Um, including myself, but he was doing it in a way that was like strictly shitty jokes that weren't real. Right. right. He was, I mean, he was like, dude, I just got here. And you know, this after coming from game five in San Francisco, this is like being in a silent, sterile mall. All they can talk about after the game is, you know, what they're going to get at waffle house. I'm like, can you like just going somebody, with all the stereotypes, write better jokes, dude. Yeah. I, like I'll never forget the one of, one of the first times I ever went outside of the city to do comedy. I went to Boston and I got up on uh, stage and the guy introduced me and he was like, yeah, this guy's from Atlanta. I don't know. I mean, I don't even know if they really even have roads down there. And I was like, we had the fucking Olympics like 20 years ago, dude. Like, like what are we? So, yeah, he was just throwing out every stereotype possible. And I thoroughly enjoyed watching uh, the Braves beat them. Like, I think it was back to back. It's like walk offs, right? Yeah. 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 No, Bill Pulaski. I didn't know he still existed, but I saw a picture of him, and man, that guy. He looks like Mr. Potato Head. Went on he looks like he's been on a, an episode of To Catch a Predator. Oh, that's a lot. That's kind of rude. I used to love that show. <laughs> it's, it's a great show. I mean, yeah. in, in you, sense. I want to know behind the scenes <laughs> of Real Talk, they're like, it's a very serious thing that they were, they were trying to like 
thwart like all right listen there's child predators out here and then somebody was like but like but seriously like what if just throwing this out there what if we burn some cookies to give to them like like we gave them treats but the cookies were fucking terrible and they did that every episode anyway (laughs) um Uh, well i'm just here uh I just have a six pack of beer for myself. We, were, I just wanted to like watch TV. I didn't, I didn't say that. You and he just pulls out like thirty seven <laughs> pieces of paper printed off like fucking MapQuest. It was incredible. Um, okay, so what was the point of this? Oh yeah, Bill Plaschke's the saddest, and then also Jeremy Pruitt is sad. Yeah. So you can say what happened, but why did Rick Barnes get involved? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It's the worst Twitter beef ever. 67-year-old Rick Barnes, who I guarantee you was like asking someone to type this into his phone machine for him. Someone get on the tweeter there and put this in there. Somebody was saying on the internet that, so I I don't even, I don't even think I have his number anymore, but Coach Pruitt, remember Coach Pruitt? He's gone now. McDonald's bags. He's up there in New York. He's over here saying how we didn't pay him no money. Well, you guys are corrupt, uh, terrible, like a tough week for Tennessee. Yeah, not not great look anywhere around. Um, it was amazing. Also, like I I kind of understand where they're coming from, but it was amazing to see the lengths that people went to defend what was happening there. Like, just yeah, you don't understand how many bad calls were made. No, I do. Uh, I just no, think that you got an opportunity for your personality to shine through, and that's what happened. So that was that that was twenty years of college football sadness coming out in mm-hmm. one. One throw of a of mustard bottle. I also didn't realize that they had that almost had fifty over fifty players. Um, be substituted on thirty uh, injury timeouts. Unless yeah, that was a gross um, over embellishment from the Facebook group, which it could have been. Anyway, Jeremy Pruitt has not been paid. Um. Tyler, I mean, you work in finance. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where somebody like said they were going to pay you $5.4 million and then didn't that, I mean, that would be frustrating. Uh, I haven't quite been there. No, no one, no one's owed me that amount of money. Um, and I think it's just, this comes down to normal life, not finances here. Um, yeah, you, you, you owe somebody money legally. You don't pay the money. It kind of seems like you should be held to that standard. I don't know what the, what's the, do you know what the excuse is on the Tennessee side? Like, listen, like, like, wait, like, I, we get paid next week, dude. We get paid. Just like, give me a minute. I got a couple things I got to move around. I, I don't know. I know what I would have said. I don't know what the University of Tennessee would have said. And I'm still also, like you said, I don't understand how Rick Barnes got involved at all. <laughs> because it's, it's pretty blatantly obvious. Like, so if you guys are unfamiliar with what's happening, um, that's probably also because we're doing a very poor job of explaining it. Um, and I'm trying to pull damn, where the damn art. We have so many articles that go up and, and now I've like lost it, but basically it, it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, mainly because all the attention had been on the program for like, you know, what happened on the field this weekend. Um, so basically Jerry Pruitt, and had his lawyer write a very, very, um, I don't know, sternly worded. Yeah. yeah, Of terrible Yelp review. Um, and Rick Barnes came back out and said, I'm really disappointed that Jeremy would throw people's names around that he knew he knows did nothing but support him the entire time he was here and make these unsubstantiated claims. I would invite the NCAA to come in any day of the week to investigate our program. 
don't know if you want to do that. Do not want to do that. I have too much respect for our players, our school, and our administration for somebody to ever think we were not doing things right here and make such ridiculous statements. Jeremy's not here because of the decisions Mm. he made and the way he led his program. Here's what I know. Our university has done everything it possibly can in working with the NCAA to clean up the mess he left uh, behind and bring this to closure. All right, here's I see both sides. I don't I don't see Rick Barnes being um This feels absent. like a lot of a lot a lot of Rick Barnes trying to deflect away from the basketball program. Like, if you're telling me there's a basketball this. program He did the, this, he did that. It's on like, him. Please don't if, look at my program. <laughs> but he seems like I mean like he Rick Barnes seems like he's constantly got caramels in his pocket. Like he's like that kind of Yeah, he's old got one of those grandpa. handkerchiefs. Yeah, always the handkerchief. Yeah, it's like you just blew your not. nose and you put that back in there and you're going to use it again. And you've been gonna doing like it for 13 it to me. years. Yeah. Same pocket every day. <laughs> um, but no, like there's not, a, there's not a program in the country that's elite or even close to elite that I would, you could ever tell me and convince me that wasn't cheating. Bama yeah, just got but, like 18 five stars in the past two years. You know they're cheating. Yeah. Um, regardless, I also understand Jeremy Pruitt's side of it because you fired me. Because you had unrealistic expectations. You did it in a pandemic year. Now I got to go live in fucking New York, which is awful. Um, I don't understand any of the food up there. I didn't taxes understand when I was high. here. Huh? Taxes are high in New York. No, no state taxes in Tennessee. You know, he's not making any friends in New York. No. Hey, I'm, my name's Jeremy. Um, I'm a fo- I'm football coach. Oh, you want? Okay. So, okay. You have a gun. Okay, cool. All right. I'll just, I'll find a, a different route home. I, I don't. I don't also, um, if I left the way he left or I was told to leave the way he, le- he left, everybody's getting it. So I don't know what Rick Barnes is crying about because, I mean, anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> Jeremy Pruitt, if we're going to start a Venmo or a, uh, what do you call it, a GoFundMe for him, what do we have next in the doc? Well, I want to talk about LSU because we didn't get to a chance to do the recap pod. Right. In the preview pod, I said, I think by Sunday, we're no longer going to be considering him Coach O, LSU head coach. Now, I was wrong on two things. I thought that would be the reason uh, would be because they got blown out by Florida. They actually won the game. Wrong coach got fired. Also, he's still, he's fired, but he's still the head coach of LSU. So I was wrong in two fronts, but ultimately I feel like I was right in the fact that Orgeron will no longer be the coach after this season. Um, it's, it's kind of a di- it, It's, I mean, LSU is making some promises that in my experience, I don't think they're going to keep. It's like, Oh yeah, we're going to work it out. I don't see that happening with Coach O. Like, I don't think they're going to go to couples counseling. No, 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 no. no. Um, so it, I don't know. One thing I wanted to talk about is who you think they should bring in. Okay. We can talk about the odds of who's going to be the next head coach. I don't necessarily... These things are never right, by the way. Like, I don't, never. I don't want to talk about those at all. I want to talk about all the stuff that came out afterwards about what he all was right. doing. Let's start there first, and then we'll get into the next coach. Uh, so we brought this up a couple weeks ago. Josh Pate has been talking about this for weeks because um, I've been I've defended Coach O for way too long, I guess, because I didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. Um, I also don't have the same type of moral compass I think most people have, and I'm just kind of like... I've just accepted what goes on. I feel like in these, if these programs at this level of like fame and all that kind of stuff, besides with coach savings, you know, he doesn't do that. And neither does Rick Barnes, apparently coach. O, um, like left his wife right after the, uh, national championship. Right. 
Yeah, he like used the national championship as a way to cash his chips in, and oh, I'm just gonna go over here in everything. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> with everything. Um, so, but Josh Payne was talking about this, and he's like, "Listen, if you're defending Coach O, it's easy to sit here and like, you know, we're not we're driving by the house, we're not we're not inside the house, we're not seeing like we're we're seeing that church on Sunday, we're not seeing what's when Dad comes home on Tuesday night." And I, I knew when he said that, I was like, oh, there's some shit going on over here that's like pretty bad because the level of yeah. dysfunction that happened that quickly was not good. And yeah. I've never seen so many. Yeah. I, I've never seen so many players, whether pandemic or not a pandemic, just float in and out of the program whenever they want to, like not being Derek Singley was on the sidelines two weeks ago or for the Auburn game. Um, just a mass exodus there. And then you start hearing all these rumblings about how like, people didn't respect him, which that surprised me because he just won a national championship. And I kind of thought that's what people loved about him. But really this whole program has been propped up by this, this coach that no one gave a shot who signed a quarterback that no one gave a shot. And then they just, you know, caught lightning in a bottle. The shit he was doing. <laughs> it's like, 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 <laughs> Okay, we'll start with the first one, which was he ran into a um, lady dressed in workout clothes at a gas station, as you do. Um, and he said, hey, you look like you work out, which is a which is a it's it, bordering on unnecessary. It's uh, well, definitely, definitely unnecessary. Bordering um, on like very uncomfortable. You could you could play it off as oh, I was just trying to be nice. You look like you're in shape. Yeah, just, but it's like not a the per my last you email start. thing. Yeah. It's like he's basically just like, hey, you want to have sex? Like, uh, no, how are you today? It's night. The weather's crazy, huh? Um, so he he started there and then she, her response was, which is not great. Uh, I'm married and I'm pregnant, which I don't know if he didn't see the pregnancy, but he was already complimenting her physique, which is a nice move by him. Mm-hmm. Um, there you go. Just, pre- uh, you know, it's very nice to comment on a pregnant yeah. woman, right? You ever every pregnant woman really wants to be ogled and. They want you touching their belly and yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just just at all. Um, Turns out that lady was, uh, was um, she did not take any of that as a compliment, nor should she have, uh, especially in this day and age. And um, he did everything wrong outside of, outside of telling her to smile, which is the guys, if you ever fucking tell a woman to do that, just don't, it's just dumb. It's the dumbest thing in the world. Anyway, um, turns out she's the wife of one of the, board of trustees or good what, lord whatever the knights of the round table thing for all the important people is at lsu she was the wife of of one of those and coach o, um after she politely turned him down said so what what's that have to do with anything so that's that's where we'll start and listen you know there, I'm, there's creeps everywhere i'm sure you know like look at dan mullen's wife you know she's out here doing that shit at, at, at at every gas station she can she can find <laughs> every wawa in the in the tri-county area um then it got worse that uh so we all thought he was just living his best life when he had that picture of that blonde that came out oh cut it up yep. be, be baseball you'll be, be baseball out here um so it turns out what he was doing was uh like like for instance i will take pictures of my roommate's kids like my my host family rich and, and put it on Instagram so that girls that hopefully will be interested in me one day will think that I'm a good person and a family man. Right. I use that to my advantage. He was doing something similar, except for he was letting um, their kids show up to practice and participate in the drills. <laughs> what a move. 
That is a move where you feel like nothing can take you down at all. This is I, like, no one's going to say anything outside of these four walls. And it, it said girlfriends. It, it oh, said yeah. multiple, which I don't think he's smart enough to not have them there at the same time. You were a scout team. So um, I, it's going to be so hilarious to watch LSU the rest of the year, knowing that he's not going to be the coach. Like, mm-hmm. which way do you think they're going to go? Do you think they're just going to go all in or they're going to be like the worst team in the SEC over the next few weeks? I, I, so he's such a good interim coach. I, and they already beat Florida. You know, he was on. He knew he was already on his way out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and it's such a bizarre timing to do. I think like they probably were. It's like good on them to like let him save some face. But like as soon as they announced it, then all the stories came out. I mean, it, like I think that he he is from what we've watched, I think he has another win on like, you know, like mm-hmm. so, somewhere like in his, you know, back pocket or whatever. I, but he also, and I'm not saying this to be a Homer, he's got to go back to Tuscaloosa where he showed his ass last time. Yeah. That's going to be funny. That's, I don't like, I'm really interested to see how Saban handles that. <laughs> oh, you know, how he's going to handle it. He openly, <laughs> openly told him what we were going to do last year. Yep. Uh, and then they, and then they don't did it. So mm. if they are, you know, like, I don't know, it was really fun watching them come back and, and beat Florida yes, last week, even though I lost a lot of money on it. it like I, I, I love, like, I think for, we'll forever be like, we'll look back at like this little short stint and in, in college football. It's like, it was like the, like the non-virgin um, grizzly bear, a version of Tebow. Like that, that's like this little three year run that he was on was, was fun for everyone. But when did you get a pet wall? Oh, whoa, whoa, can't say it. Pet walrus? Yeah, upstairs. Yeah. Um, it's the kids. Then I'm, I'm sorry for the, um, <laughs> for the noise. <laughs> All right. So there's now this leaves two big openings now in the NCAA here USC and LSU. Mm hmm. Traditionally, 10 times out of 10, USC is a better job. But with where things are headed with the money and the SEC, I kind of feel like LSU might be the job I would take over USC. What do you, what do you think? So I, I think like, for me, I, it's different because I don't think like apparently like a competitor would because apparently a lot of coaches love that opportunity to go to the SC West, not just because the money, but the opportunity there. And, 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 you know, they've been in this industry for that long and they you have unlimited resources, all that kind of stuff. For me, I'm looking at it like What's I'm going to go live in Southern playoffs? California for one. Um, I'm going to go recruit to a school that is like, has zero competition really this side of Texas. If they want to, if they want to, you can recruit nationally. You have unlimited resources. You, um, I mean, like, you know, you're in like one of the, in my opinion, cathedrals of college football and, and you can, turn when that thing is like going like, and they, they have it in a place where like, I don't, you know, it's like firing all cylinders and I, it's not hard to get it back. This is not like a flash in the plan or pan university. Like they, they, they have shown time and time again that they can, even if they fall away, like, you know, they'll be back. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, I, I'm going to California immediately. Not worried about the long-term Pac-12, are they going to be left out type stuff? No, because no, you're not going to leave USC out of the college football talk. Yeah. I mean, like, so, and uh, what's the worst that's going to happen with that? Like, I mean, 
it, you're not going to be taken seriously. You might not get to the college football playoff, but if you handle your business, you will. I mean, if you, you're playing in an inferior conference with inferior opponents everywhere, the worst part about that coaching job is having to go to fucking Corvallis or go to like, you know, Pullman and have to play like a Friday night game in front of 30,000 potential people. Like that, that is right. hands down. I mean, like the, the trying to consistently sell that is probably the toughest part of it. So obviously these two schools will be, I would imagine, I'm trying to think through the list, the biggest schools to, to be in the market for a new coach. So they're going to be battling it out mm-hmm. for the top coaches. Some odds are out right now. Again, I, I'll never forget, you know, the odds when they came out when Florida State needed a new head coach. Right. They didn't match up with anything that I was hearing within the program at all. Like they're just, nope. so I wouldn't really take these odds as fact, but the odds on favorite right now, plus 250 Lane Kiffin, Luke sense. Fickle at 550 Cincinnati head coach. Billy Napier plus seven hundred, Jimbo plus seven fifty. That is shocking to me. Billy O'Brien. I'm guessing that's Bill O'Brien. Is it say Billy? <laughs> that's Billy. Jesus. Uh, Mark Stoops plus eight fifty. Bob Stoops plus nine hundred. They've got James Franklin, Joe Brady, Mel Tucker, Dave Aranda, which is interesting. Urban Meyer and John Gruden, which hilarious hey. that Gruden's actually on there. But. There are multiple people saying that the Urban Meyer thing is not that far fetched. Uh, it's definitely it's far-fetched. a thousand percent far-fetched. Um, um, so I'll tell you this. I think most people are going to be focused on, obviously the, the rumors of Mel Tucker being a real serious candidate are out there. Yeah, that's, that um, makes sense. I, I, I like that. For me, if you're in LSU, see, like even if you're Jimbo, right? You're, you've already got this guaranteed money. LSU is such a great job because you've got a really talent-rich state and you're the only state, you're the only team in the state that will yeah. can recruit at that level. I, I took a look at the composite rankings for 247. The top 10 guys in Louisiana, all really high four stars or above mm-hmm. five star, they're either committed to LSU or 100% crystal ball to LSU. It, it, it wasn't only until to, recent that they were losing anyone. Like, I mean, anyone. Right. Um, and they've so, lost like, a couple I, big names over the, over the years to Bama, I think, and probably yeah, a couple Bama, other places, but that's yeah, it. Bama's come in, maybe Texas, but those have been. And so I don't think that you need like a super strong recruiter. I would, I would go for like a really tactical, really good coach uh, over like a recruiter type. I think that's what Orgeron was is more of a recruiter type. Well, but um, I think also that's how he won the national championship though. Like in this day and age of football, you have to recruit. Like, I'm just I mean, all it is is like stockpiling weapons. Like you don't have to go out to Florida and Georgia and Texas. You could get a strong class just with the people in your state. So yeah. if you're a competent team, I feel like LSU is getting all those kids in state. So I don't know, man. I would look. I would look. This isn't even being talked about really, but I would look at Joe Brady for real. Oh, without a doubt. I think he should be the number one candidate, honestly, because he's young. He can relate to the kids. Yeah. He's um, obviously thirty two. If he gets that and, fucking yeah. job, I'm gonna kill myself. And he's an, he's an incredible mind, obviously. And I think, you know, if you surround yourself with a staff that is good recruiters and you are just, I don't know if he's ready for it, but man, that, I would look strongly at him. I also like James Franklin. I think he's a great coach too. Those would be my top two candidates. What about you? And so I've one, the fact that like, he's always cracked me up because it's like Vegas puts odds on anything because some idiot will bet on it. Mainly me. Um, Matt rule being on here. He's <laughs> just like having like, yeah. Very, very good success and like just year <laughs> two in the NFL. I, he right. left Baylor. The Dave Aranda thing, I think, has legs. 
yeah. you know, I, we've talked about it before. I, I predicted Cristobal. I, I, from what I have been told and what I've heard, because Cristobal is the kind of brought this up the other day. Like he's not paid very well. Like he's going to get an extension to be like the fourth highest paid coach in the Pac-12. And I can't think of who is paid more than him. Like what, Chip Kelly? I'm sure Clay Helton was. Maybe Herm. I, I don't know. But like, but his wife hates Eugene. Um, and from what I've been told, like that's it, he is it, like he's going to have his pick, right? Like I, he he's going to he's been talked about as like the next guy after Saban. Um, obviously, the Miami ties make way more sense, and he could also go here to LSU. Like Billy Napier, I don't, I just don't like. There's a lot of people like Brendan Marcel is really high on that because, he, like they they think that he will be able to ha- like create if he has unlimited resources, a staff that would rival rival Saban's. I don't think that's true because I think like assistant coaches now are almost as important. Like your coordinators are as important as the talent you are putting out in the field, like the elite level of talent. Because you think about the Arch Manning shit. It, it like I sat down and thought about, thought about this the other day. In the, in the past, like you would want to go to like, all right, you know what? Like I love Athens. Athens is great. Like Kirby, they're going to win football games there. The co-eds are great. Like I, they have my major, all this kind of stuff. And now, and I'm not saying that people aren't choosing that to go to Georgia because they clearly are. They get another five-star today. But if, if I'm choosing between Bama, Texas, Ole Miss, and I'm Arch Manning, take out all the family shit aside. Steve Sarkeesian, Lane Kiffin, Bill O'Brien as of today. Right. Like I'm going with whoever's going to help me put up the most stats, like let me like develop and so get to the next point of like go to the league. And and if you don't have that guy, like if you look at 2018 with Bama and, and Loxley and and uh and Dan Enos. So I, I think you have to you gotta get you have to have a guy that's gonna commit to like recruiting for one and then especially at the beginning, and then also making sure his staff is something that like rivaled like what he did in 2019. I'm interested to f- see what happens because there is a potential domino effect that could happen this offseason if Miami lets go of Manny Diaz and Florida yeah. lets go of Mullen or Mullen decides to leave because you could see some crazy... I, I, I follow this guy. Saving so, back to Miami. <laughs> I follow this guy, um, this guy called Tailgate Tent on Twitter. He does like analytic shit, which I know you oh, love. Um, what, what does that mean? Here's his prediction on how the cycle goes. I thought this was just interesting, and it's just fodder. So Mel Tucker goes to LSU. Mm-hmm. Um, Diaz is fired at Miami. Lane goes to Miami. Would Lane leave at Ole Miss? So that was kind of what my thing is like. I, I think traditionally, this is another traditional versus current argument. Like Miami obviously was a better job than right. Chris. But now with the SEC stuff, I don't know. But... Lane would absolutely destroy it at Miami, by the way. You think so? Yes. Recruiting in that city and easier conference. I think he's already got Ole Miss in the SEC West at almost a top 10 level. I, I mean, don't think I don't not. I'm, maybe I'm just like, maybe I'm an idiot or I'm too pale, but I don't, I don't feel like Miami's that much of a draw any more than like what it used to be. Yeah. And that's, I agree. So this guy had Mullen leaving Florida and Cristobal going to Florida which would be a great fit for them, I think. Mullen's going to be gone for this year. You can just see it coming. Yeah, you just see it. You just feel it coming. Um, Then Napier to Ole Miss replaced Kiffin. He added so many moving parts for no reason. (laughs) Well, this is, I don't know. It's just fun to talk about. PJ Fleck to Oregon to replace Cristobal. Fickle to USC. And then um, 
he writes Campbell to Michigan State, which I don't know. I guess Matt Campbell? Talking about, yeah, that's a, that seems does like he a, have, How many SEC teams does he have making the playoff? Is it like more than three? or? <laughs> and then he um, said Jamie, Jamie Chadwell to Virginia Tech from Coastal Carolina. So uh, what I was what I was told, they're going to go after Kiffin. They're going to throw an unlimited amount of money at him. And, and what they said, yeah, it, like what they said close to the program, this is, this is kind of crazy when you think about it because, I mean, really, it's kind of what they've set their standard at. And I bring this up all the time, and I'm not trying to do it to be a dick, but like, People forget that before Saban got there and, and throw out the name, like just before the year 2000, LSU was terrible. LSU was a bad football program. They, they had three winning seasons in 11 years prior to 2000. They get a new coach from Michigan State, comes in 2000. They end up turning it around. They, they win a national title in like, th- you know, year three or four. He leaves and they get in, they bring less miles in and he has like, right off the bat back-to-back 11 win seasons, like, you know, sustained success. Like they win a national championship should have probably, you know, won another one if Bama didn't replay him. And, and then like, it kind of tapers off, but it's like after a decade, right? Like, and this is people that didn't grow up watching SEC football in the nineties. Don't remember this. It's like, it's like a foreign thing to them because they've just always known LSU to be a dominant program. And Orgeron may, might not have been like on Saban's level or maybe even less miles level, but the fact that he was able to get them to a national championship, they were 13 and one against top 10 teams, not named Alabama under, under coach Odron. So the next guy you get, it, it, you can't have it. You can't have it like drop off because it's a very proud fan base. Um, and they said flat out this week, they will go after everyone and they will throw out any amount of money. The only two people that are not on their radar or not in their, you know, um, like they're untouchable is Kirby smart and Nick Saban. You think those are the only two that are untouchable? That's what they said. I So I was actually going to ask you that. That's pretty funny that you brought that up. I think Smart obviously is on there. Saban obviously. I don't think if you're Ryan Day, do you leave Ohio State? No. Yeah. No. And then I think, I think too, I mean, Lincoln Riley, probably his only move would be the NFL would be my guess. Yeah. Um, and then Sark, just because Texas is a big job and you just got it and – are you saying these people would not go? Yeah, yeah. These are okay. All, I was like, I was like, what? But like, <laughs> but like outside of that, you know, I think you pretty much have your pick of anybody from there. I think from I think like realistically, it's going to end up being Mel Tucker. I just don't think Billy Napier is that that's like slam or uh, slam deck of a higher. Anyway, we got to talk about like actual actual stuff for this week. Yeah, and I think Napier is just a little. He that's not the the first move you make is to, to LSU from the from the G five. But um, all right, let's talk quickly about the updated Heisman odds um, because obviously things have kind of shifted now. I probably I used it as my hot take, but not really hot take. I guess Bryce Young still winning Heisman. He's the favorite, so great hot take by me. Um, but I was looking at the top four. I think that have a realistic chance. First off, do you think Caleb Williams should be invited no. to New York if he no. continues his He's had his one pace? game. What? Two games. Two games. What was the like first one? When he came in in so the he Texas said one game. and a half games. Uh, it's kind of big when you leave it lead a huge comeback against your rival like that. Against but, four and two Texas? Yeah, I completely agree. He should definitely be invited to New York now because he's played one and a half games this season. We should let Ohio State play the national title too. Yeah, so he's got the same odds as uh, Desmond Ritter, who's in the top five. Which is crazy to me. I, I mean, he'll probably get invited because you know what kind of numbers they're going to put up. All I'm saying. Uh, 
I took a look at the top four. I think it's the three quarterbacks, Bryce Young, mm-hmm. Matt Corral, CJ Stroud, and then I, the, the Kenneth Walker kid from Michigan State. He's been really good. I yeah. just don't – I don't know. I, I just don't feel like – I feel like Michigan State is going to fall off here at some point, and then it's like, okay, you were a good Big Ten running back, but not necessarily Heisman worthy. I think right. it's going to come down to three QBs. So here's why I think – and he's he's tied with Bryce Young for the current favorite, but I think Corral because of the rushing yards should yeah, have him. I didn't know he did that. Sixty-seven percent completion, seventeen hundred yards, fourteen TDs, only one pick, four hundred and fifty rushing yards, and another eight touchdowns. Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud don't have those rushing numbers at all. Um, right. They have comparable yards, completion percentage. Bryce Higher Young completion has the most percentage, touchdowns. more touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, I agree with you. I think it's, I think it's Corral's. It should be Corral's to lose. And I am like, I've been really interested in this this year for whatever reason, because I think it's fascinating to watch how Kiffin will handle this when he, because we've seen him do it before, like Amari Cooper being a finalist, Derrick Henry, Jalen Hurts, like he will ride that guy. And we, and last week, you know, you're missing your two biggest threats. I like, you know, at wide out. And that's, that's when we learned that Matt Corral apparently can carry the ball 30 times in a game in an SEC football game. So I, you know, if they, if they go 11 if and 1, unscathed though. That's true. If he stays healthy and they go 11 and 1, yeah. And he keeps putting up the same numbers because, like, you know, I, I was surprised that Bryce had 24 touchdowns. It's yeah. just not as impressive to me as what, what Corral's doing, even though his numbers, like, aren't, you know, he's not like number one across the board necessarily. But the, the stuff that you brought up with um, Kenneth Walker, because I, I really think it'd be what they should, what should happen if it continues to play out like it is this season. And keep in mind, none of this shit is ever settled until November. Like I, I right. hate like what we're like, what people like. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I hate when people do this. Is what we're doing right now. Like <laughs> you know, like Saquon Barkley being like he's he's like a, you know yeah. guaranteed to win the Heisman or like Leonard Fournette, all that kind of stuff. Kenneth Walker has like the most rushing yards in the country by over two hundred something yards. Like it's not even close. Also, yeah. the, his competition has been shit. Right. I didn't realize that. So. um, I still think, you know, Brian Robinson Jr. has odds now that aren't bad. They just, I mean, Setson Bennett has is a plus 8,000. I mean, he's not going the Heisman. No, but why does Jordan Davis not have any odds? He should have more odds than Setson Bennett. He has no odds. So, yeah, um, yeah that's, I mean, that's who I would have, I think, is like, I, I would say watch out for CJ Stroud because if he, yeah, they're going to have all their big games coming up, like where mm-hmm. I think the competition won't be as great necessarily. I might have been a little bit off by thinking that um, the Big Ten East is so much better than the SEC because as of now, they have not played very good competition. They're just all undefeated. But you're going to have a lot of marquee games. As we saw it work for Troy Smith, even though it was in the beginning of the season. Um, if he shows out and goes on a run like, you know, puts up numbers like Bryce Young or Matt Corral, it might be his to lose. As a, as each week goes by and the stats get updated. Ohio state is becoming the number one offense in the country over the, yeah. the whole year. And I think it helps him too, that his loss was in only Early in the same on. week. It's almost like, you know, by the time we hit December, if they're in the playoff consideration, people won't remember that. No. I mean, in that game, by the way, against Oregon, he threw for like 400 yards, five touchdowns, something crazy. So it's not like it was a bad game for him. Um, I mean, yeah, but wasn't it like he, he was pretty bad the first couple of weeks? He, uh, I don't know. Go back and look at the game log. He, he was shaking that first game in that first half. Remember, he brought them back against Iowa State. Um, 
I don't know. If, if I'm looking at pure odds, if he's plus 800 and Bryce Young and Matt Crowell are at plus 200, I'd be, I'd be willing to take the long shot on him. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I completely agree. I think, um, and then like that kind of goes into the next thing too, because, you know, it's a slow week. It's a really slow week. So we want to talk like some, I, I'm not going to talk about Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. I'll just be honest. So yeah. we want to talk about like more national stuff because, you know, like I don't know when the first week of the playoff rankings comes out but it's got to be right around the corner and you're looking at how all this is going to unfold. I I'm shocked the amount of people that still have um, Bama as like a, you know, as one of their top four because of the path they have to like, you know, go through, which is beating mm-hmm. Georgia, but looking at DraftKings uh, sportsbook here, they have like, you know, ESPN has their FPI, which is horseshit, right? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I think the best thing they have there is like, all right, what's the percentage they'll go undefeated or, or whatever. But like their chances to make the playoff, Bama's still, I think, second. Or maybe it's like fourth now at this point. But um, they have like, you know, across the board, like chances to win the conference, win the division, win uh, or get to the playoff, get to the natty, and then win the natty. DraftKings has just, they, you know, they went about it from like a gambling standpoint, just very blunt. And so will Georgia make the college football playoff? You know what the odds are? Uh, I mean, it's got to be... You got to probably lay money to... Minus 1,200 <laughs> to make to make the playoff. Right, yeah. Um, so once again, we are barreling down towards that uh, Georgia National Championship. But no, I thought it was interesting because you have like Ohio State make it. It's, it's minus 105, yes. Minus 115, no. So it's pretty much the same. Oklahoma is now minus 180. So that's... People think, I guess, they're going to be in. Since he's plus 110... And I just I, that kind of surprised me because of their strength of schedule. But if they go undefeated, I feel like they might they would probably deserve it. And they're ranked number two in the country right now. Bama still has good odds, but I think it's skewed. I just think it's skewed because of people will still bet on it. But Georgia minus twelve hundred. Yeah, I mean they're plus one twenty to win the championship. Yeah, I, I mean, and you watch in a couple of weeks, Bama if Bama will have a, a a bad showing at some point, whether it's Auburn, whether it's Tennessee, or, or whoever. And and Georgia will finally you'll see them go into, like, like you know instead of they won't be plus money anymore like you know there'll be a juice on on betting on Georgia to win the national championship guaranteed. I do like just looking at the odds to win, and obviously you know it's easy to take the front runner right, but mm-hmm. if you're looking at a team that actually has the best chance of possibly beating Georgia, I plus plus eight hundred for Ohio State's yeah. not a bad bet because. I don't feel as though, and we'll see what happens when they play Bama, but it doesn't seem like Georgia's played like a really, really good offense don't. yet. Okay. I thought you were going to say a tough schedule. I was about to lose my fucking No, 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 mind. no, no. Just a really good offense. Yeah. Like, I'm not taking away from their defense, which has been incredible despite whoever they've played. Right. But if you played like an Ole Miss or a Bama or an Ohio State, like how I want to see the defense play against like an elite offense and just see yeah. exactly how that would turn out. Maybe... Maybe something like Ohio State at plus eight hundred is worth a long shot, but NOU I mean, plus fourteen hundred. Yeah, I mean absolutely. And I don't, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I, I want to see that too, just because from a sheer matchup standpoint, that'd be awesome to watch. Yeah, right. I don't. What I wonder is one, if you know, I, I think we'll see exactly what we've been seeing. Maybe they give up more yards. I don't know. They give up a lot of passing yards technically to Bo Nix, but like it's just it's funny to me how much the goalposts are moving. With they, they I've, I've listen. If you're a Georgia fan, welcome to the fucking party because this is what they've been doing for Bama like for fucking years. Like 
you know, well, you know, they, they beat so-and-so, but like that team wasn't that good. They lost a blah, blah, blah. in week three, like we've made so many excuses for trying to like compliment anybody else's team. Kentucky was a top 20 defense and like nationally in almost every single category. And this whole like narrative about how Stetson Bennett, like, and I never thought I'd be the one, you know, be, like banging the drum for him, but like, you know, you have to have JT Daniels back because Stetson Bennett's not going to, you know, he can't throw the ball downfield. There was a stat that came out today that as of right now, Stetson Bennett has the single season highest completion percentage over like the last like decade or so in uh, passes that have traveled 10 yards or more. Higher than Mac Jones, higher than Joe Burrow, higher than Matt Corral last year, higher than Kyle Trask, all of them. And it's by like six or seven like percentage points. Wow. And, and somebody immediately, I think, in the Facebook group brought up the fact that like, well, come on, he's probably only thrown like five passes all year. He had six of his first seven attempts in the second half against Kentucky were for 15 yards or more. All completions, two scoring drives. I, I don't know. I, I think Georgia's still by far the best team in the country, but... I agree. I agree. Yeah. I'm just, if you're looking for long shots, I think take, yeah. take a team that's got a really good offense and take a bet on them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. You want to get into the slate this week? Cause it's, it's not great, but no. there are some, some good games. No, you don't want to talk about it. All right. No. Well, this has been another episode of, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, let's, let's start nationally. Um, yeah, we'll breeze through these. Yeah, a, a game that was actually canceled for the first time since World War II uh, last year because of COVID, USC at Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. um, again, uh, Notre Dame's a top 15 team. This is all a good rivalry. Notre Dame's a seven-point favorite. I mean, USC has lost four straight on the road in this series, so I don't like their chances here. I do. Have you seen the kid Drake London, the re- receiver, by the way? Yeah, he's fantastic. He's incredible. Um, what a great name, too, by the way. Yeah, he's going to be a top pick in the draft, I think. Um, USC is coming off a bye. Their coach is basically saying, hey, we're going to try players that actually want to play hard, and we're going to try different things. Interim coach, he probably doesn't care. Um, oh, yeah. They got, we're going to names on the back of the jerseys, guys. Right. It's about, they got it's about the name away. on the front. <laughs> they got destroyed by Utah uh, in their last game, so they're just going to try some new things. Notre Dame also coming off a bye. I think they get healthy. Um, they're 12-2 and two straight up in the last 14 off a bye. I'll, I'll take them to cover. The yeah, I mean, I don't care either way. I think it's just like, you know, going through some of these games that are going to like matter. It's it, This one kind of surprised me because no one's talking about it at all. And usually that's like a, you know, just because the, the helmets and the names on the right. front of the jersey, um, a big deal. I, I would take Notre Dame. I don't even know what the point spread is, but I would assume, especially at home, you seven. know, it's it seven. That's it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's got a teaser written all over. I can't wait to lose money on this. Um, um, yeah, I think USC's like got one person, I think, like on that whole team that, that stands out at all. I don't even know how he's getting the ball thrown to him. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, two games that I thought were interesting because you have an, a ranked opponent, a top 10 ranked team mm-hmm. going on the road against an unranked team and underdogs, both of them. There's Start no with, ranks on rank. There's like no games featuring two ranked opponents this week. That's right. Um, number eight, Oklahoma State on the road at Iowa State. Iowa State is a seven-point favorite in the game. I'm sorry, uh, what? Yes. <laughs> sorry, RJ Young. What's crazy is Oklahoma State, they've been undefeated all year, obviously. They've been an underdog on the road twice, mm-hmm. and they've won both those games. Texas, they were three-and-a-half-point underdogs last week. They won outright. 
three and a half point underdog on the road against Boise. They won that outright. Um, weird year for them. Really good defense, not a great offense, which is just not something yeah, you expect from a Gundy team. Um, Iowa State at home, very good on the uh, running the ball. They both have good defenses. I think Iowa State's passing game is better than Oklahoma State's. Take them at home. Um, the I like seven. them to, to not only beat them, but to cover the spread. Um, also, I like the over 47 in this game, four and two Ooh. to the over in the last six meetings between these two teams. Okay, so I, I have, like, I think I made a joke about this a couple weeks ago that this is the first time any of us have even thought about Oklahoma State this year. Like, Oklahoma State's like taxes. Like, like we all know they're there every season, but we don't really pay attention to them until, like, whenever we have to. And we have reached that point, apparently. Um, so, yeah, 6 and 0, they're ranked eighth. And this is, I, I got really frustrated this morning because I was trying to do a bunch of research on, on, uh, resumes again. And I, and I cannot fucking figure out strength of schedule to save my life. Team rankings has four different metrics for it. I don't know which one I'm supposed to go with. Every single site has a different one. Um, depending on, on like, and, and they all kind of feel like they're pushing an agenda a little bit. Um, so I went to own with my, it's Mike Gundy's favorite news channel, uh, to find my, <laughs> um, I'm kidding. So like their, their strength of schedule, Oklahoma States is, it's, Currently, depending on which one you look at, it, it varies between 14th and 56th. Oh. Yeah. So their, their combined um, opponent's win-loss record is, is 23 and 11. Um, you know, their FBS uh, combined win-loss is uh, 13 and 7, which isn't bad, right? And you, get, you come from behind and you beat Texas. I... I wouldn't touch this game because I feel like Mike Gundy yeah. should not even be six and zero, oh, and they've been able to do that. You, you could, it feels like it's been against lesser competition, but they've played three straight uh, ranked teams in a row. The problem I'm having is every single game is close. Every single one, like, like the Texas game was close and you were losing the whole time. Baylor, I guess you win by double digits, but you know, every single game has been close throughout the season and they end up like either pulling away, which is, you know, hats off to them, but, how long can you can you do that for? They're not going to be Oklahoma. On the road. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so you you're you're taking uh, you're just not touching it. I would I would probably just tease it the other way because I don't think they're going to get beat by fourteen. Okay. Mm-hmm. All about the teasers this week. Um, teasers. Number ten Oregon at UCLA. UCLA minus two. Um, I found this interesting as well. I will say with Oregon, I mean, they, they're kind of on shaky ground right now. They started off hot, obviously beating Ohio state, but they lost a, an overtime to Stanford two weeks ago. Right. And they barely eked out a win against Cal last week. It came down to a fourth, uh, fourth down stop on the goal line for them to be Cal. Awful. Um, they get Joe Moorhead back. who has been out those two games. Um, he's been sick, I guess. Playing quarterback. I, I don't really know what happened with him. I don't know if it was a COVID thing. They're OC Joe Moorhead. I mean, I know who he is. I'm just, I don't know like, where he could have gone. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was dealing with some medical issues. Um, Oregon's failed to cover their last four games. They're one and five against the spread on the season, two and nine in their last 11 against the spread. Yeah. I actually really like UCLA. Uh, they got a really good running game and Oregon can't really stop the run. They're giving up um, 137 rushing yards per game. And UCLA has a really good rush defense ninth in yeah. the nation. I think UCLA, look, Oregon has has not beat UCLA in Pasadena since 2014, so it's been a while. 
Yeah. Um, I like UCLA 35-31 in the game. Yeah, I mean, like, so I don't know. Um, like, th- this is, like, a really good point that you brought up here because there's two top 10 teams on the road, and they're both underdogs. And we've seen UCLA. They're, like, they're not great, but, you know, they're not bad by any means. I would say, um, you know, so what is that, that line my dad used to always say? Like, they didn't build those giant cathedrals or giant million-dollar yeah. things in the, in the middle of the desert out of nothing. Um, right. If Vegas thinks that they're favored, that's, <laughs> it's like, something's up, obviously. I would just worry that like Oregon should be a better team top to bottom, but you're also a thousand percent right. Like they have, they struggled with a Cal, uh, Cal teams like one and five. They're fucking terrible. I know they follow us on Twitter, but still no offense guys. Um, and as, as much frustration I had trying to look at the strength of schedule stuff, the one resounding uh, like consistent thing I found Oregon's schedule has been trash outside of, outside of Ohio state. Um and ESPN has them as the 20th ranked strength of schedule, which is amazing because the other three places have them between 76 and 96. Their, their opponent's win-loss record is 9-16 and 16 for FBS teams. 9-16. and 16. They, they have played a terrible schedule. They played Stony Brook, which I didn't even know they had a football team. Outside of March Madness, when is Stony Brook ever, ever, ever involved in any kind of sport? Where is Stony Brook, New York? It's on a postcard with uh, like when like the leaves are turning, when you drive up, I'm assuming to like Maine. I don't, I mean, probably where Hocus Pocus was filmed. I, I mean, that's yeah, a great movie. It is a great movie. Um, anyway, but your, your FBS opponents win loss record is, is like literally 360.360. That's including Ohio state. That's bad. So you've not played a lot of competition. I'll take UCLA as well. Uh, last national game here, an interesting one because it's been a while since Clemson's been an underdog. In conference, Clemson at number 23, Pitt. We already talked about this. Pitt minus three over under 48. We're a Pitt pod now. Pitt pod. Oh, yeah. Are, are we? Yeah. Uh, Clemson just stinks. I'm, I'm just going to... I watch them now just to see if they're getting any better. They are not good. That's not why you they're watch not, them. You watch them to make better. sure they're getting worse. Well, yeah, obviously, but I also, yeah, I don't want them to get better. I also, I do want them to get worse. Yeah. Um, their offense is 101st in the country in success rate. Not good. Their defense is good. Obviously, they're they're a top ten unit, but they've got some major players that have gone out with injury. They had some players this week hit the portal. There's just not a lot of good vibes going around around at Clemson. Conversely, they've twenty-one. They've they've scored over twenty points. Once this season, not including South Carolina State. Yeah. And it was in a double overtime loss. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Their Pitt's offense, conversely, is very good with Kenny Mm -hmm. Pickett. They're number one in the country in points per opportunity. Do you know what that is, Chris? um, When when a a mama opportunity meets a man, I do not. I don't understand. Send me these fucking links to these yeah. so I can do some research beforehand because all the stuff I'm doing is wrong. So once once you cross into opponents 40 going into the end zone, mm-hmm. your points per opportunity is for every time you go past the 40, how many points do you score? They've got the number one. So basically, do you score like an extended red zone? Yeah. I don't do understand score, what you're doing here. But yeah. How many points do you score when you get inside the opponent's 40? They're at 5.62. It's number one in the country. So they're scoring touchdowns when they get across the 50, basically. Right. Um, they also have a really good defense. They're 11th in the country in success rate allowed. They're, I don't see... There's something weird. And again, we just talked about this with Vegas. 
I don't see how Pitt doesn't win this game by much more than three. I think I think they beat Clemson handily. This is on the road for Clemson. I have, I watched that Syracuse game last week. They were awful. Okay. I like yeah, they, they I, were I like awful. Pitt by they should digits. have lost that game. You like Pitt by oh. double digits. Yes. Okay, real quick. Remember when I told you in the beginning of the year and I said Clemson is a bad football team. Like they are an objectively bad football team. You're like, oh, bad might be a little bit of a strong word. And now here we are. The oh, offense is on that. Uh, probably, yeah. I haven't been right about anything else this entire season. But like it, their offense is terrible to watch. It is yeah. terrible to watch. Um, so I don't know. I mean, they're open six against the spread too. So there's, and for whatever reason, cause I'm an idiot. I'm like, yeah, but still they're going to win this week. It pits pits strength of schedule, which is like the only apparently metric I looked up at all this week is pretty bad. I mean, they've played new Hampshire and UMass not in that's hockey. Bad. Um, yeah. so that's and not Tennessee. good. And Tennessee, which was like their closest game, obviously. Yeah. Um, so I, that kind of worries me a little bit. Like they played at Tennessee, they played at Georgia tech and at Virginia tech. And they, I mean, yeah. They trounced Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech, which is kind of expected. The fact that they held Virginia Tech to only seven points was was. Um, I feel surprising. like that spread of that Virginia Tech game was not. I thought I think Virginia Tech might have been favored or like less than a three point underdog. So I'm pretty it was, sure it was right. supposed to be close. Yeah, we it was they played last week, didn't they? We picked that game. I picked Pitt. That was one of my best bets. No, I wasn't paying it. Yeah, it was, it was it, Pitt. They were a six-point favorite. Hit it, hit it. Um, yeah, well, that's probably they probably might have been an underdog because they lost to Western Michigan earlier. So, um, it's a tough loss, which is pretty inexcusable. Yeah. So I think that that part for me, I can't get that part out of my head because, man, like it, they, I mean, Western Michigan is not a good not a good team, um, like in in regards to where Pitt should be because they're they're a front runner to win the ACC. They're at home, but there's not really any home field, you know, advantage because they play, you know, where the Steelers play in Heinz Field. For whatever reason, I, I just have a bad feeling that Kenny Pickett's been awesome. I think he's like 19 touchdowns, one interception. It's just been fantastic all season. Offense has been great. Like you said, the defense has been, been like surprisingly good. Clemson still has the second best defense in the country. Yes. It, you know, like, so like they, even with all the injuries and all that kind of stuff, I just feel like, because we can't have nice things, that, that Dabo's going to go up there like a total a-hole. After losing people to the transfer portal, he's going to beat them by like 10 to 14 points, and then in his post-game press conference, he's going to say some stupid shit about like, for those of you that stayed, those of you that stayed, it's going to be worth it. When we get down to Tampa for the Monarchy Car Care Bowl, you, you'll know what your hard work paid for. Um, so I have no faith that, uh, you know, Dabo won't somehow – win this just to just to spite me there you go um okay all right well that'll be interesting then because that's I, the game of the week good. for real yeah let's get the sec is, it's gonna be good all right um these are all double digit spreads except for the lsu game um so not a lot of hardcore diving into these games but we did want to do some winning and boozing and, and at least talk about them a little bit we'll start with uh, a real barn burner here mississippi state at vandy taking vandy in this one no, no. <laughs> um, this game sucks. This game reminds me of like, like court or- ordered like visitation. It's like neither one of these people want to hang out with each other. Like Vandy's a right. smart school. Mississippi State has cowbells. Um, so the, I'm not going to pick the game. Mississippi State's going to win. But the yeah. booze of choice is a $6 bottle of wine that your mom got. <laughs> probably something like fucking stupid like Shiraz. So we're having family over like, you know, your distant cousins are coming in town. So 
make sure you clean your room. And then everyone just is like begrudgingly angry the entire time they have to hang out, but they but put on like a sweater. The, it's the cousins from like, uh, you know, like Vandy might be living in the city and then the cousins are coming in from like a very small populated town in right. Mississippi. So Pika. <laughs> I mean, but and it's not like cousins that like your cousins that you like and like to drink with yeah. and like go on a little trip at Thanksgiving to pass around some, some pots. This is like the cousins are like, oh, fuck, I don't want to fucking talk to Jennifer. She like last time we were there, she kept telling me about her roller coaster tycoon phase. That's all she would talk about. She was 23 years old. <laughs> so we had, a, we had a mask and vaccine debate last time they were here. And it was only yeah, absolutely <laughs> that would a thousand percent be happening. Here's my thing about the vaccine, y'all. Um, anyway, so yeah, that's the booze of choice. Mississippi State rolls, I, I would assume. Uh, anyway, South, next game. South Carolina at A&M. <laughs> trophy game. It's a trophy game. This is a trophy game? I'm glad you asked because the even the fucking teams didn't know it. As as like as early how is as last, how is this a trophy game? Because the SEC, for whatever reason, when when they expanded, they made this the permanent crossover for South Carolina and A and M for no reason at all. It, like 2014 was a good game. Like it was it was the beginning of the year. South Carolina was like top ten. A and M comes in with Kenny Trill and and they throw for like you know a thousand yards and they they end up upsetting him like first game of the year. Since then, not great. Um, but this is a whole trophy that former governor Nikki Haley uh, and someone else came up with. And it's about, let me see, it's called the Bonham Trophy. It's uh, sculpted in honor of James Bonham, who is a mm. South Carolina resident that fought at the Alamo. How specific do we got to get? All right, so who's going to win the James Bonham Trophy? Hold on. First off, this this like they asked Will Muschamp about the trophy. He didn't know it was a real thing. They asked A and M. This is like like two or three years ago. Their thoughts on the trophy. They didn't know where it was. They they had won it and never relinquished it because they'd never lost to South Carolina. Maybe they, they have put no it in the trophy clue. case with all the uh, empty trophies from Jimbo's national titles. I don't think that's what they did. I think they left it up in the fucking attic with like the Christmas lights they couldn't untangle. Um. <laughs> Also, what a oh, weird... Oh, so you're saying the trophy case is still empty? Oh, I see what you did there. God, you're petty. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this earlier, too, though. Somebody had to commission... They commissioned somebody to do this. Like, this very specific trophy. Yeah. And and there was somebody that did it, which means, like, like sculptor... If you're a sculptor, like, in this day, that's a weird job. Yeah, yeah. Not many sculptors out there. No. What do you do for a living? Oh, I... um. It's hard to explain. Basically, like if you go outside and you see giant art with like with naked people on it, I, that's me. Gargoyles and shit, and then dudes with small dicks that we you know painted on from like the 12th century. That's pretty much it. Man, they all just had small dicks back then. Baby dicks and gargoyles everywhere. What is happening right now? Like that was the art. That was the culture. <laughs> What's the booze of choice for this game? <laughs> Baby dicks and gargoyles is an all-time <laughs> line. Um, the booze of choice is a six-pack of Lone Star beer which is Texas PBR and a pizza because this has everything that reminds me of like, Hey man, I'm really sorry to ask, but can you just help me move? Like I'll, I'll pay you in beer and pizza. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. I guess I don't have anything else going on. Like neither one of these two teams want to travel that far to someplace that hot. Yeah. First of all, let's, let's talk about how like three pieces of pizza is not worth 
me helping you move large furniture for 10 hours. How, what age was that? Did that die out? <laughs> 24 tops. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to pay me like six grand to do that. That's, that's how much it apparently costs. <laughs> like I remember my stepdad telling yeah, me, I want to go and buddies, man. Is yeah. this a labor market, bro? I have not. Um, I have not. Anytime I've had to move, it's taken roughly one trip. So to get all my belongings. Um, oh, but yeah, I think like it, this, this has that kind of vibe. It's like, oh, okay. This is also kind of a cousin vibe. Yeah. It's like asking your third favorite roommate from college to help you because he's in town that weekend to sculpt some yeah. baby dicks and gargoyles. Jason King. He was my first best friend. Don't do this right now. He's probably listening. <laughs> um, okay. So that's, that's the booze of choice for that. Let's get into the actual games that matter. Okay. Um, well, it's one that I think will be close. Uh, LSU at Ole Miss. We should save that one. All right, fuck it. Let's do it. Yeah, let's save that one. No, no, no. Let's, see, let's save Bama for last because we got a negative review from one person after the pod reunion. It took less than eight minutes. Somebody was upset with my Homer takes about okay. Alabama. So let's save so L- last. All right. So LSU goes to number 12, Ole Miss. This is on Saturday, the CBS game, minus nine for Ole Miss, over under 75 and a half. Um, LSU coming off just a crazy week. They are a 12 and a half point underdog at home. At one point, uh, they end up winning the game outright and then immediately firing their coach. Um, somehow got the ground game, which was pretty much non-existent. Davis price goes for 287, a program record. Um, Ole Miss obviously coming off an equally insane game for different reasons. Um, getting golf balls, mustard bottles, beer cans thrown at them and a 31-26 victory in Knoxville. Um, LSU dealing with a lot of turmoil, like I said, not only Coach O, but still have a shit ton of injuries. Um, Well, both teams do. Yeah, and then as of today, I haven't seen anything new. Um, We're recording midday Wednesday. Matt Corral still questionable for the game. Kiffin says he doesn't feel good about him playing. Yeah, um, he's gonna play. I don't know if I believe that. Um, or Jerome was like pretty blatant. He's like, I know he's not. I, I know he's lying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, if he doesn't play, I think the game at least becomes somewhat interesting because you're also missing. You've been missing your two top receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ole Miss has scored at least fifty-two in all three of their home games this season. Yeah, and I don't feel like that LSU defense is really rearing to go. Um, they picked off. They did have what four had, picks last week and they still they, gave up 42 points they had three interceptions going into that like into that game like all season and they had four also the, the, the what's crazy about that that running game or that rushing game record was the fact that like first off you think about all of the running backs that have come through lsu and i'm pretty sure every single one of them has broken that record like kevin falk cecil diesel collins um justin vincent you know whoever else and then like getting into Fournette and and then uh guys and all that it was also the most yards Florida's defense has ever given up to a running back. That was the, a record for them too. So he got he got his name on both plaques, and the record it broke was Herschel Walker's. So wow, yeah. Um, I, both teams have I think like Ole Miss has one of the worst rush defenses in the in the conference. It's it's like thirteenth in total yards per game. They're both like in the bottom half of uh, yards per carry. So if Corral's hurt maybe this is an opportunity where we see Snoop Connor as we've seen all year, but also Jerry Neely get more involved. Mm-hmm. I, so if Corral plays, which I think he will, I, I do think I like Ole Miss big here. I don't think 
LSU is going to come. I, I, it's just tough to say. It's going to be a mixed bag. It's tough to really predict what you're going to see from LSU week to week. Like, I don't know if they're going to play an inspired ball or just kind of give up on the season. Um, I do think the angle that's kind of funny is Lane Kiffin putting on a show for his uh, future employer. <laughs> yeah, that's also a good point. <laughs> so I think, I mean, look, the, the over-under is 75 and a half. Um, and the total has gone over in seven of LSU's last 10 games. Maybe, I mean, that's a high over-under, but I, maybe you see the over in this game, just offensive show. Um, scored 91 points last week with Florida. And Florida yeah. had allowed 36 total points in their four previous SEC games. Like yeah. total. So I think that's probably the better pick if I'm picking one or the other. Um, but I do like Kiffin to put up a ton of points. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I would take Honestly, I said this last week and it came back to haunt me because um, it was way off. Obviously, I don't think anyone saw the LSU win coming. but And I hate to do it two weeks in a row, but I'm taking Ole Miss, especially at home. Um, it, it, one of the, one of the trends that I saw from, from LSU and just like a, you know, kind of like a staple of any program that's kind of given up and, and like the players have kind of quit when it gets to that point. And they didn't do that last week to their credit, but they're, they're like one twenty something in the country in second half points per game. Like they're allowing like 27 points per game in the second half, or maybe it's like, it's over three scores. Ole Miss is going to continuously, especially if, if Corral's healthy, which I would assume he would be, um, they're going to just continue to put up points and put up points and put up points because now you have, you still have like all, your entire, well, you, you have to have Bama lose, but still like you have most of your goals still in front of you. You can still get to 11 and one. You can still get to like a New York six bowl and you can still possibly win him the Heisman. And also they're like, I'm assuming Arch Manning is going to be there this weekend because they're painting the end zones, like in honor of uh, the Mannings, like the end zone hmm. just says Manning in it. Interesting. Bold move. Anyway, so I think I think they put up uh, more than enough, and also that defense hasn't been that bad. They weren't that bad against Tennessee. Yeah, they're getting better. I think. Um, okay. All right, last game here again. The final outcome probably not in question. Bama Tennessee visits Alabama, seven p.m. on ESPN. Bama's a twenty-five point favorite over under sixty-seven. Um, Saban's never lost to Tennessee. Um, He's not. I don't think many have been that close, to be honest. I mean, there was the the Tay Cody block, but other than that, twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen was close. They, they Bam had to come from behind and like get a Derrick Henry touchdown with like two and a half minutes to go. Last week, crazy. We didn't get to talk about it, uh, the two of us in the recap. But like, you know, Hinton Hooker goes down with the injury. Yeah, and then Milton comes in. He throws the dime that the guy. It would have been a tough catch, but it's there. And then my man just runs out of bounds. On the last play of the game. I, I felt bad for him because you could tell mid-run he realized, oh shit, mm-hmm. I'm past the line of scrimmage. I've got, doing it. I've, got no, I've got no option here but to just try to do something with my legs. And then he just gave up, I feel like. I mean, I, I kind of felt bad for him. but um, You know why I felt bad for him? is because you could see that he realized what happened. And I, I genuinely felt bad for him in that moment because it was like, very a dumb decision. Yeah. And you could tell that he knew it was, and he's probably, you know, frustrated because of all the other stuff. Like he was the starter, lost the starting job, all that kind of shit. And then he does that. But also because there wasn't, it didn't seem like there was another teammate that came, put their arm around him. And was like, Hey, it's all right, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, yeah, so that was, that's tough. If Hinton Hooker's a quarterback, uh, you know, and Ty and Evans might not be healthy still. 
I don't, I don't feel like this is a blowout. Okay. Because Tennessee can score points. No, that's true. I mean, I, Hendon, they're obviously way better with Hendon Hooker. I'm not even talking about those last few plays. That's a tough spot to come in if you're Milton. Yeah. But I just think he, I've said it all year. I just don't think they're very good with him at quarterback. And so it's a drastic difference. I mean, he's just not one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC, man. Like, I mean, he's yeah. like statistically, he's been great. He, he's right. He's ahead of Corral in completion percentage, passer rating. He has 14 touchdowns, one interception on the year. Like, he, they, Tennessee has not turned the ball over in their last four games. Or they turned the ball over, I'm sorry, one time in their last four games. That's it. And so since he's taken over, he's they've been they've been really good. Like and 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 all the things you need to be, you know, to not get blown out, like not do like what Jared Garantano would do every single game last year, which was like you are just fucking waiting for like him to lose his mind, make a very key costly mistake, and then you're playing from behind the rest of the day. They haven't done that at all. Yeah, I, I I just feel like with the the two games that Bama's struggled, the one they lost and then the Florida game, it felt like the line of scrimmage was definitely dominated by the other team. Yeah. Or not, maybe not dominated, but... No, it was, I mean, yeah, that's fair. Um, I just don't see Tennessee having the talent to do that. They um, lead the SEC in tackles for loss. That's okay. That's okay. Um. I mean, more like running the ball on Bama. Like, they have a good run offense. They, they, they actually, the two teams average about the same amount of points a game. Bama's a little higher, but Tennessee is very balanced. They, yeah. they average about the same passing as they do rushing, and they, they average about 250 yards a game on the ground. Um, but I think that maybe that A&M game, as a game it's seemingly every year for the most part with Bama like when they lose it gets them to the next level offensively and defensively I don't know I just I just don't see it happening um now maybe if Hendon Hooker plays and he's healthy which is a big if they keep it close for a little bit but ultimately I don't really see this being a game I for whatever reason I have a bad feeling but I'm also completely irrational nowadays when it comes to Bama games so I don't know I, uh, I think I, trust me, I get it. I mean, I I I said last night when the Braves gave up the homer to Bellinger that they're going to lose the series. So okay, yeah, not like that. But I just um, <laughs> I have a complete failure to I think objectively um, say when they're going to play well and when they're not going to play well. Usually because I'm trying yeah. to say they're not going to play well. But I think you know, yeah, on paper they should be fine. But it's also uh, 25 is a lot of points, like a lot yeah. of points. And I I do feel like this it comes down to Hooker because if Milton's in the game. Like, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long day. What was um, your favorite thing in 2006? Let's talk about that for a second. The last time Tennessee beat Alabama. My favorite thing in 2006. Um, Cargo shorts. Let's see. I was like middle of college. How about the last time? How about the last time Fisher? I'm sorry, not Fisher. Sorry, something just went off outside of my house. It's distracting me. Um, how about the last time Tennessee won in Tuscaloosa, 2003? Definitely oh, cargo awful. shorts at that point. That was fucking terrible. It was a I was definitely game. in cargo. I had uh, earrings. You had, oh yeah, you see that's why I didn't like you. I didn't yeah. know you, but you look like such a douchebag. Yeah, I was. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of i I had uh, frosted tips. Yeah, and puka shell. Now I don't even have hair. I think the hair. I think that was God that was like trying to take you down a peg because you're <laughs> yeah, such a better person now without hair. Or the like the shit that like probably ruined my scalp that I put in my hair to dye it blonde. 
No, no, it was karma. It was definitely God. Um, <laughs> but no, that first off, I remember that game because it was like there was a fourth and 19 and Tennessee had a receiver playing quarterback. So um, anyways, we did. We went over time because Tyler's got to run and we've got. Um, Wait, we got a couple fan questions. Oh, OK. Well, yeah, all right. We'll, we'll stick around. We'll make them quick. Yeah. Um, Emery writes, what would your Joey Freshwater name be? You go first. Um, Brock Stillridge is what I came up with. I'm sorry. What happened? Brock Stillridge. I, I grew up on Stillridge Drive, and uh, okay. Brock just seems like the ultimate douche name to me. So, um, I so Tyler Champagne. <laughs> Tyler's just the ultimate douche name. No, that's a real person, um, and that's <laughs> okay. but when I was not as great of a person as I am now, uh, who I would save numbers in my phone as um when i didn't want somebody to see it like a decade ago and there are, even to this day there's four tyler champagnes in my in my phone right now <laughs> so that would be mine um if you could erase uh, emory also wrote if you could erase one game from any sport from history what would it be um probably probably the let's see here uh, the georgia oklahoma rose bowl so they never made it to the championship game and they had zero joy in their heart that entire season. Um, no, I, I mean, I, people say the kick six cause I, you know, that kind of sucks. I don't know. You, I don't know. You go first again. Mine's mine's fucking super bowl. Hands down. Oh fuck. Yeah. That's yeah. Hands down. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> um, that's awful. That or Aaron Boone, but we ended up winning the next year. So like, I mean, fuck. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. It. Yeah. All right, Tyler writes, if you could take one former player and put them on your current roster, who would it be? Uh, I'll go first because I, I I came up with this. Charlie Ward for me. Um, oh, bad O-line necessitates a, a, a mobile quarterback. I also think his game was a little before his, its time. Um, it 1993. He, yeah, they, they didn't run like that kind of mobile QB. And actually, I think Cannell said this on, on, on the interview. Like... His game in today's game would be ridiculous. Um, oh yeah. So I think a great team makes obviously a great QB makes a team better. So I would take that over anything on this team right now. Well, <laughs> got so dark. Yeah. It's People dark. also forget that he was such a good quarterback because like that stretch of Heisman winners, you had Ty Detmer who had I think he had twenty nine touchdowns and like fifteen interceptions, and then Gino Toretta for Miami, and then he threw three picks in the national title game. Charlie Ward wins a national title, but ends up going first round of the NBA and just has an NBA career because he's so fucking talented. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then like the ones after that were like, you know, Rashawn Salam and Eddie George were okay, but not not at a quarterback, right? Right. Um, I, if you could, br- I would bring back Jeremy Pruitt to be the defensive coordinator um, and not play any sports. He would just be the defensive coordinator probably okay. or Kirby. Um, just that, no, I'm kidding. I wouldn't bring Kirby back because he wasn't just that so good Georgia of a wouldn't have him. No, no, like, like I wouldn't bring Kirby back just because I wouldn't want to hear Georgia fans have a very irrational sense of pride when it comes to and a very skewed uh, revisionist history on what what he did at Alabama. Um, he was very successful. I don't think he was the one running the show. Anyway, if I could bring back one guy this year, I would probably be uh, Jonathan Allen or or like one of those like D linemen like Ashawn Robinson that would not get fucking blown off the ball every single snap. That's a good point. Uh, Michael writes, was having the Olympics in 1996 worth cursing Georgia sports? Uh, I'll go ahead and answer that. Absolutely not, Michael. Um, me going to, literally, this is not a joke, going to see the marathon with my dad. 
That is so, so bad. You sit in the stadium, they go around the track once, they leave for four hours and they come back. Um, Did your dad hate no, you? That, like, do we have that in common? That that <laughs> that wasn't worth it to me for, no. for the amount of pain that we have. Um, this one well, seems more probably driven towards me. Adrian writes, would you take Jimbo back? Well, why didn't I get to answer the, the Olympics question? I went to all the events. Well, you're not a huge Georgia sports fan, are you? No, not at all. But like, listen, they also <laughs> had the they had soccer at Legion Field, and that state wasn't cursed. That's true. Yeah. Um, um, would I take Jimbo back? Okay, that's a very simple answer for me. Do I get Jimbo circa 2010 to 2013? You would take him regardless. You know, or it. do I get embittered, looking for a raise every year, pouting to the administration, giving up on recruiting, instilling toxic culture, Jimbo that we got. Still being 14. better than you are right now, though. Yeah. No, no. Actually, I think this is why we're on this path. It um, definitely is, but you would still take that in this moment. Mm, Listen, if, if like, no. if I'll take Jimbo number one is a no-brainer. Jimbo number two, it's it was a dead end no matter what. What do you think this is with Taggart and then Norvell? I don't think Norvell's a dead end. I, th- I still think he's a good coach. Jesus Christ! What would that uh, version be of the question for me? I don't know. Who would, I, would I take Mike Dubose back? Yeah, probably so. I, I need to be humbled every now and then. <laughs> uh, Kobe writes, worst QB to have in the locker room, Tate Martell or Spencer Rattler? Spencer Rattler. Because Spencer Rattler was actually given the keys to the whole fucking thing. And, and then, like, the worst thing that could have happened to Spencer Rattler was that entire offseason. Like, that entire offseason where he played well but never on the big stage. I think as soon as that kid gets in front of people, he just becomes a different person. And he, it's all about him. Yeah. And I don't. I think he can't get like. This, I don't. I probably shouldn't say this, but he's like he can't I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop yeah, you. All right. <laughs> I'm going to say Tate Martell is actually the same type of person. He just has a hot sister, so you prefer him at least if his sister's going to be walking around campus. Also you know? true. Yeah. Uh, and You're last great. one, Chris writes: Better odds the SEC gets three teams in the playoffs, or Lane Kiffin endorses Titleist golf balls. Lane Kiffin will absolutely endorse yeah. a golf ball like or something golf-related very, very soon. Yeah, I don't even think that's like a hypothetical. I think that's really going to happen soon. You know, and also, we'll close on this. The most beautiful thing I've ever, I think I've witnessed like in irony in SEC fandom, you had for three and a half, four hours, Tennessee fans giving the finger, screaming and hollering, cussing out Kiffin, throwing shit on the field, throwing shit at him because like, you know, he, he was the start of that whole situation went downhill. And then he took off his visor and threw it at the stands. Love and there were multiple people diving over trying to catch it. Oh, yeah. Of course. Anyway. Yeah. So, anyways, enjoy the week this week. We didn't have time to play the voicemails from this week. There were some good ones. We got, we're getting more and more every week, so it's getting fun. Um, so, don't forget, there were people calling in just to talk shit about other fan bases that their teams weren't even playing in a game. I, don't I love like that. It. Bring it all. Uh, 424-430-0045. Give us a call. Give us a voicemail. We love it. Uh, For Chris, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on Sunday.